Well, good morning to you all. It's, uh, it's really nice to be uh, back here. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read from Philippians chapter 4. So Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I'm using the uh, ESV, um, but probably it won't be dissimilar in any of the versions that we happen to be using this morning. So Philippians chapter 4. And uh, we'll break in at verse 2 where Paul says this, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and heard and received, uh, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And then breaking in at verse 14. It was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians know yourselves. You know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, amen indeed. And may God bless his word to us this morning. May he give us understanding of it such as he means us to receive. And uh, to his name be the glory and the praise. Uh, since I was last with you, of course, all of us have been through uh, many changes. And some of you, uh, because of these changes, are, are watching online. Uh, at the moment, we do welcome you most warmly as as well. And uh, I've been through changes uh, also. And one of the changes for Morak and I was that we spent some time up in the Western Isles. We spent some time in Lewis, in the town of uh, Stornoway. And uh, the minister there, Tommy McNeil, once spent some time as a, a student with us. So it really has turned around full circle. And uh, I'm now learning to play second fiddle to him and uh, to learn to take instructions from him. 
And of course, along with every congregation, the congregation up there has been meeting largely up until lately online. And uh, during that time, again, along with yourselves and so many congregations, uh, they've been learning new skills, putting things online and trying to keep things interesting. And uh, you're blessed if you're watching at home because I've tuned into New Beginning services online and they're really excellent. So credit to the team that are involved in, in doing that. But it can be interesting, it can be difficult trying to keep things interesting. And one of the things that Tommy did was that he actually interviewed leaders over the course of lockdown. And some of them will be well-known leaders to you, people like Sandy Miller. And uh, if, you don't, if you don't know him, he's the former uh, vicar. He's now Bishop Sandy Miller. He used to be vicar at uh, Holy Trinity Brompton. And so Tommy interviewed him and it was just pure gold, learning wisdom from a man who's been in ministry for so long and known the Lord for so long. And then he interviewed Nicky Gumbel, whose name will maybe be better known to many of you as the man that we associate with Alpha. And that too was pure gold, just to learn from these leaders. And you know, in Philippians 4, uh, verse 9, Paul makes a, a, a statement in connection with what I've just been saying. He says this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, what will be result? The God of peace will be with you. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? I wonder if any of us here could do not only with peace, but knowing that the God of peace is with us. These are anxious times for many people, and you don't need for me to list the reasons for that. Uh, I put stuff in Facebook, and in response to that, I get messages, private messages, asking me about things. And I find that God's people over the course of this last 15 months or whatever, they've been anxious about health. They're, they're now anxious about the vaccines, many people, because of some of the stuff, some true, but some just part of the whole conspiracy theory uh, thing. And they're anxious about vaccines. And many are anxious about their employment. And many are anxious about financial matters. And some are anxious about family uh, business. And some are anxious because of the way they've been coping or not coping with these last few months. And some are anxious because of the way their spouses have been uh, coping. Even believers turning to drink and so on. So these have been anxious times for many people. You know, I, I, I mentioned the interviews with Sandy Miller and Nicky Gumbel. And Nicky Gumbel shared that uh, when it was Lent, now I don't know about you, I don't really, um, I don't really celebrate Lent as such, but you know, uh, in, in England, it's much more a thing. And uh, Nicky Gumbel said to his wife, Pippa, this last Lent, he said, what do you think I should give up for Lent? And you know what he said? She said to him, well, I know what I would like you to give up. I, I would like you to stop worrying. And he said, okay, for the days of Lent, I'll try to stop worrying. And either his son or his son-in-law said, well, that's going to make for a very happy Easter day, isn't it, when you pick up all these worries again after Lent is over. But I wonder if you could do with help with worry. I wonder if you could do with help with anxiety. 
Sometimes when I've come to new beginnings in the past, it's been with very much a thought in mind, is there some word you want to uh, speak in about where the church is at or direction or whatever? But I didn't get any peace when I made that sort of inquiry. I felt I was just to speak to you all as individual believers, and it might have an overspill effect on you as a fellowship. How do we get victory over worry? How do we get victory over anxiety? Remember Paul was promising a victory over anxiety and worry and promising peace. He was writing from imprisonment in Rome. So he's not writing from ideal circumstances. He was writing to a congregation who in chapter one, he uses words like opposition. He uses words like conflict that there were a congregation that had a real place in his affection, but they too were living in circumstances that were not ideal. So this is a worthwhile letter. If you get the time, read through the whole of Philippians. If you're living in anxious times, it's a good letter to look at, to find clues from an apostle of God, bringing a God-inspired message as to how to get victory and come into a place of peace. And very simply this morning, I want to just lay before you three, three uh, parts that we heard about baking earlier. I, what, what was it? Icing cookies. Well, we're, we're going to look together at a recipe for the cake of God's peace this morning. And according to Paul, there's really three, there's probably more, but there's three aspects to that recipe that I want to draw out of chapter four that we read this morning. The first thing, there's something to do with our lips. If you've got your Bibles, let's just read again from Philippians chapter four, from verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That last wee bit there, here's the picture, that the, that the picture here is of, of guards or sentries marching round the perimeter of something that they're guarding. And Paul is promising here, if you do this thing with your lips, you'll find that the peace of God is actually garrisoning, it's strengthening, it's protecting your heart, it's protecting your mind. And the thing he tells us to do is we're to do something with our lips. And there's a whole mixture of things here, and I don't want to go into all of them in detail, but you can, can you hear the mixture? We're to do things like rejoice. We're to do things like thanksgiving. But we're also to do things like this. We're to not be anxious about anything. And we're to vocalize. We're to speak out. We're to bring our prayers. We're to bring our requests, our supplications, along with our thanksgiving. 
you know, I said that we've been up in Stornoway and it was good for me health-wise because there was less infection up there for people with lung disease and heart problems such as I have. So it was good to spend time there and be able to walk out with, with less worry as it were. And there's a beautiful river walk at a river called the Creed in the grounds of Lewes Castle. And it really was a beautiful thing to walk there. And I found myself just surrounded by the beauty of the River Creed itself, especially when it was in full spate, if there'd been a lot of rain and the water just thundering over the rocks on its way out to the sea. And, and then looking out to the sea, especially if the sun was shining, it, it just, it was just all so beautiful and herons there are as common as sparrows here. It's just an amazing place. And sometimes as I walked around the creed, I would just be filled with the joy of the Lord. And I would want to worship the Lord. And isn't the worship you enjoy in this place absolutely amazing and anointed and blessed? It's truly wonderful. And as I was walking around the creed, I, I would quite frequently, because there'd be nobody there, I would find myself walking with my hands in the air, just praising God with thanksgiving and rejoicing the sorts of things we're told to do here if we want to know the God of peace and the peace of God. There was one embarrassing occasion when I didn't know I was coming around a bend and I saw a man coming towards me when my hands were in the air. So do you know what I did? I pretended to feel whether it was raining or not, <laughs> or, or, or whether there was bird poop in my head or something like that. I don't know why I was so embarrassed, but that's what I did. You know, other times if you listen to me walking around the creed, you'd hear nothing but crying and moaning and groaning. You'd find nothing but distress. I'm doing what Paul tells me to do here. I'm vocalizing my anxieties. I'm bringing my prayer prayers. I'm bringing my requests before God. And sometimes all you'll hear is moaning and groaning. And sometimes you will hear that what we're taught, what's taught about in Romans, uh, about, about groans too deep for words, I believe the Holy Spirit is giving me. And I'll be expressing my pain or my concern for my family, my children, Sarah and David, for something that's going on in their lives or for something that I know about that is distressing in the lives of other people or me, myself. And see, when I bring that whole mixture, this is what we're promised vocalize it let it out bring the rejoicing and you'll remember the faithfulness of god oh no you never let go as we sang this morning and with that confidence we bring our anxieties and we vocalize them and we lift to god our prayers and if you don't know what to pray why not pray the lord's prayer it's the only perfect prayer there is that will ever be uttered here on earth because it was taught by Jesus. I remember once in a, a prayer group setting, a, a fellowship group that my mum and dad ran in their home. Uh, my mum actually ventured, this is years ago, she said, well, you know, when I don't know what to pray, I just pray the Lord's Prayer. And there was a, a, a very keen, zealous, younger, charismatic there who just mocked that as though that was useless friends it's the only perfect prayer that we can utter here and there it's taught by jesus 
just coming before God with that prayer, we've got a Father in heaven. I want to honour you, Father. I bring my requests for your kingdom, for your will to come to be in all these situations that I look at and I wonder, where are you? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I bring my daily needs to you and the needs of my loved ones. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. There's never going to be a day when we don't need to pray that. And so on and so forth. And sometimes you'll hear me praying the Lord's Prayer in the Creed. And sometimes you'll hear me, even though I can't really sing in tune, not very well, you'll hear me singing not very well words of old hymns that I learned when I was first converted 50 years ago. And they come back to mind things like this. The Lord is King, lift up thy voice, O earth and all ye heavens rejoice. From world to world the joy shall ring. The Lord omnipotent is King. Hallelujah, I think, as I'm walking and singing that. The Lord omnipotent is King, and I rejoice and I thank him. Come make your wants, your burdens known. Christ will present them at the throne. I've got a saviour who's praying for me as I'm walking round the creek with these anxieties. Come make your wants, your burdens known. Christ will present them at the throne for he is at the Father's side, the man of love, the crucified. The one who's praying for me at the Father's side is the man of love who understands me totally because he's been one with me in my humanness and he carries that inside knowledge to the very throne of the Father in prayer for me. The Lord is King who then shall dare, resist his will, distrust his care, or murmur at his wise decrees, or doubt his royal promises. So Paul's saying, if you want to know that the peace of God, well, here's the first thing. There's something to do with our lips. Don't keep it all. Don't go stoom. Don't keep it all down. Come into the presence of the Lord vocally with this mixture of thanksgiving and rejoicing and presenting our requests and our supplications. And the peace of God will march around, will garrison your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Second thing in the recipe, there's something we're to do with our eyes, and by that I mean the eyes of our, uh, our inner eyes, the eyes of our spirit as it well, but, but it also affects our physical eyes. What do we actually focus on? What do we actually see? Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And now it's not just the peace of God will be with us, but the God of peace will be with you. What a promise. I don't know if you've heard a worship leader called Godfrey Bertel. And he tends to go to a place and make up songs for a place when he gets there. And it's quite an amazing gifting. And I remember listening to him and he'd made up this song. There's a lot of darkness, but a lot more light. 
And it was about their outrageous grace of God that is actually there all around us. This is a fallen world affected by sin, but you just need to look out the window this morning, look at the trees, look at the sky. Of course, the darkness is real. But when you look at it, because of the amazing, outrageous grace of God, there's a lot more light. Sometimes we focus so much on the darkness and the anxiety. That's the enemy doing that with our eyes. And we need to train the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding, as well as our physical eyes, to see the outrageous, outrageous grace of God, to see the light. You see, when I read my Bible, I find there's two forms of grace. There's what we can call common grace, that God makes available even to the lost, even to those who hate him, despise him and rebel against him. There is the sun, there is the rain, there are the good things that fill the earth. Isn't that amazing that there should be all these good things for a world that still doesn't want God? And then there's saving grace. The love of Jesus, what it is, none but his loved ones know. There's the grace that only believers know, the grace that drew salvation's plan, the grace that brought it down to man, the grace that awakened our hearts to the need of a saviour, the grace that drew us to Jesus. By the grace of God, he's with us, he's forgiven us all our sins, he's guarantees us an, a future, an eternity in the presence of God. None but the loved ones of Jesus can know that grace. But I found it really helpful in the days of the pandemic when there is much anxiety and even as restrictions lift, seems to be one step forward, one step back, doesn't it? I, I'm not really that prophetic, but I remember I did get a vision of the, the, the virus and I got a vision of it, would you believe it, in Dobie's garden centre of all places. And I looked at a table, and I don't mean this is what the virus looks like. This is what was presented to me by the Holy Spirit of God. I saw the virus as a human being, as it were, sitting at a table. And when I realized it was the virus, the coronavirus, I prayed against it. And you know all it did when I prayed against it? So it got up, looked a bit nonplussed, shuffled over casually and sat down at another table. Then I prayed again, again, it was, I got up and moved to another table and sat down. And I felt 15 months ago, the Lord was speaking to me about mutations and change. And, and, and this wasn't gonna be a quick battle. And it was interesting because the night before I'd heard leading figures in the world of intercession and prophecy, claiming that they were going to be plague stoppers. And this was going to stop now in the name of the Lord. Well, there were false prophets and they were making false claims. Sometimes in the Bible, a siege is what the people of God are called to survive. And you can survive a siege when you're locked up in a city so long as you've got plenty of water and plenty of food. This is a long-term siege we're going through. And even already, there's signs it's not over, isn't there? England, things have got worse. Infections are going up here. 
And when things are going through a long-term siege, we need to know how to survive them and find peace. And Paul is saying here, it's really important what grabs the focus of your attention. It's really important to make time in the midst of what can cause anxiety to look at things that are excellent and praiseworthy and noble. And friends, even in common grace, what about somebody like Captain Tom? I don't know if he'd any saving faith at all. Maybe some of you do. But I know that many non-believers were doing amazing sacrificial things during the days of this pandemic. And believers as well. Or what about young, is it Tony Hutchell? Is that his name? The wee five-year-old. I think he's six years old now. Have you seen him in the news walking his 10 kilometers or kilometers on his crutches? The reason he's got crutches is that his biological parents damaged him so much that he had to have his legs amputated. And yet in the midst of that, what courage, what an amazing spirit that he wants to walk 10 kilometers on his crutches to raise money for the hospital that saved his life. Friends, will you make time to look on good things? Will you make time to think of lovely things? Remember my wife, I, I, I have trouble sleeping now for very, various reasons. I, I used to sleep like a log as a, as a teenager and uh, in my 20s and I remember my, my wife asking me once, how, how is it you sleep so well? She said, I said, well I just make sure before I fall asleep I'm focusing on something lovely. I, I think of the daffodils in the spring and I focus on them. I think of this, uh, I think of that, and I focus on it. And somehow as I do that, I'm just reminded of the grace of God that's all around me, even in a fallen world. You see, this is the mystery, isn't it? This is the mystery that we carry. We're in the kingdom of God now, but we're still waiting for it in all its fullness. And, and we have to survive that mystery somehow. And maybe you and I wish it were different. Could we not just have it all now? No more sorrow now, no more crying now, no more pain now. Nothing that would ever cause anxiety now. Could I not just have all that now? Well, in the Bible it says that's only going to come when Jesus returns. And until that day, by the grace of God, we're in the kingdom. And by the grace of God, we experience God's presence. And sometimes that can be in the form of amazing miracle. Other times it's in the form of, I'll help you to survive the siege. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. There's no river in Jerusalem, that sounds about Jerusalem. But goes on to explain the meaning of that verse. God is in the midst of us. God's the river. And Paul's saying, look for the river of God each day. You'll find it in common grace. Even in unbelievers, you'll see lovely and noble and, and, and excellent things. And thank God and 
focus on them when you see them. And when you see the sheer loveliness of Jesus and believers, focus on that. And the God of peace will be with you. And there's a third element just as we close. Uh, in the, the verses that we didn't take time to read, Paul is obviously thanking these Philippians for material support. He says, even in the opening chapter, he says, you know, you, you're the only ones with, you're the only church out of all the churches I founded that have actually supported me financially and materially, and they had, and they'd sent Epaphroditus, one of their own, with another gift to him, and that's the occasion for the writing of this letter, as he just thanks them for their faithfulness towards him. And having done that, he makes this promise to them, verse 18, I've received full payment and more, I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever, amen to our God and Father. He's saying, there's something you should do with your lips, there's something you should do with your eyes, but above all, will you remember this? You've got a Father. You've got a Father. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. David Pawson says it annoys him intensely when preachers say, amen, question mark. He says, there's no question mark in amen. Amen means it will definitely be so. And so to say something out of the Bible and then say Amen, question mark, is so against the meaning of Amen. Amen means I've just told you, you've got a God and Father who out of the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus will supply your every need. Amen. Full stop. It's not open to debate. I'm not asking whether you agree with this. I'm telling you, it is beyond a shadow, beyond any doubt. You have a father who knows your every need and will supply your every need. Just as you've met mine, I'm reminding you Philippians, my God will supply every need of yours because he is your father. And he knows and he cares. I met a, a car mechanic who's got his own business up in Lewis. His name's Kiwi because somehow he's a, a connection with New Zealand and that's what the islanders nicknamed him. So he's called Kiwi. And he said he had an old man came in not terribly long ago for a repair to his car. And, and it was going to be very expensive. And he he just said to the old man, because he, he, he didn't know we'd have enough to pay, he just said, this is going to be the price, I'm sorry, it's so much. And the old man was totally unperturbed. And he said, it's all right, I can pay that. I've got a very rich father. <laughs> and he thought for a moment, and he realized he was talking about God. That God would help him pay that bill. Now, now, this is set in the context of material need, but the promise is, my God will supply all your needs, material or otherwise. We've got a Father who knows. I can't remember what I told you about my journey with my illness, but I'll close with this. 
uh, when I first took ill, I, I knew I wasn't able to go back to work, but I was, I was worried the doctor would send me back to work after three months off. And I sat in the waiting room and I was so anxious. I, I literally thought if I was sent back to work full time, it would kill me. I'd already worked way beyond what I should have worked full time. And as I sat there feeling so anxious, I physically felt the presence of the Lord come down, a bit like what was said earlier. And it was as though the Lord was saying to me, Kenny, I know the facts. I, I know how you're feeling. Don't be anxious about this. And I went in, and you know what happened? The, the consultant, as soon as I sat down, she started, the, the GP, she started to cry. She, she saw how weak I was, she saw how vulnerable, she saw how fragile, how downhill I'd gone since the last time she saw me. And she started to cry. That was common grace. She's not a believer. And I saw the loveliness of it. And I'd already received the saving grace that none but God's loved ones know in the waiting room. God just saying, Kenny, I, I know. I'm your father. I understand the way things really are. And then just as I'd been released from that anxiety, a new anxiety came because I was sent to an occupational therapist and said, you're not fit for full-time work. You're not even fit for full part-time work. You're just going to have to stop. But now I'm a church of Scotland minister. I live in a man supplied by the church. I was looking at no home. I was looking at zero income. I was looking at having no car, not that a car is a necessity, but the way we live nowadays, it almost is. You know, I was looking at not having anything. And I don't have any savings at all. And again, just such a sense of the Lord saying, but Kenny, I know. I know the facts of the situation. And somehow I've got a home to live in. I've got an income, I've got a car to get here this morning. I've got clothes to wear. We've got a father who knows and who promises to supply all our needs of every type. So I wonder, are you anxious this morning? Are you anxious about yourself, your health? Are you anxious about your future, your finances? Are you anxious about your family, your, your children? Are you anxious about your spouse? Will you remember the, the recipe for peace? Something to do with your lips. That whole mixture of rejoicing and thanksgiving and presenting our prayers and our supplications. Something to do with our eyes, our literal eyes, but also what we what we focus on with these literal eyes, where we make time to see and to notice that in the midst of darkness, there's a lot more light. 
common grace of God as well as the sheer loveliness of Jesus to focus on. And will you let your heart rest in this? You've got a dad. You've got a father. And he knows everything. And it can be everywhere at any moment. And he's all powerful. And he's got all the riches of his own glory. He makes them available to us in Christ Jesus. And he will supply every single need that his children have. We were talking together, Graham and I, before the service. There's one thing about God that I've never, ever, I wish I could say I'm comfortable with. And that is he's always on time. He's never late in supplying a need. Sometimes I wish he'd just be a wee bit earlier than he was to set my anxious heart at rest. I was saying to Graham before the service, like if, if I say to Morag, my wife, you know, we're going to be leaving at seven o'clock or whatever, it, she'll come down the, the stairs at seven o'clock exactly. You know, it would do my heart as a driver. It, it would bring me peace if she would just come down at five to seven. But do you know what? In 40 years of marriage, it's never happened. <laughs> It's not going to happen. She's a bit like God. She's always in time. She's unlike men that sometimes she's been late. But she's certainly never early. And you know, I've found that God's God. And he's still teaching me to trust after 50 years as a believer. I will meet your need. And it will be on time. So trust me. Recipe for peace. Something with our, something with our eyes. And something for our hearts to rest in. We've got a Father. Who knows? So Father, whatever from your word is for each one of us, especially to lay hold of and remember it, may we do that. May your precious seed of your word not be snatched away. May it find lodging place in our hearts. May we tend it. May it bring forth fruit to your glory, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold in our lives and through our lives. In Jesus' name and for his sake and glory. Amen.